1: Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bromwich, John Rojas, talk Major League Soccer, New York City FC, U.S. Men's National Team. So much to get into. Last episode of January 2021. Welcome in, boys. Uh, we're recording this right after the U.S. 7-0 win over TNT. And let's start with the match Uh guess from the new york city perspective it's nice to see jonathan lewis doing well uh, and flourishing what could have been for new york city fc potentially but a lot of times you see that look a lot of times you see situations where guys move on to different new situations new teams and really thrive and it's you know you can't be mad at lewis he's doing well at colorado and he's really shining under Berhalter and they talked about that um in the pregame that the, one of the main reasons he started tonight was because of how well he's doing in camp so whatever for whatever reason he seems to be playing really well under Berhalter he's shining Ferreira there's so much to get into with this match and I think you know from for all of us who cover MLS and specifically everyone's tied to New York City it, it was fun to watch tonight Glenn just to see the you know, the roster and this obviously a very MLS heavy roster with the Europeans all, you know, still playing in Europe and, and doing their thing over there. So it was cool to see uh, a lot of younger guys, a lot of guys getting some of their first or second games with the U S national team. And you expect them to come out and take care of business against TNT. They get, you know, goal within the first two minutes of the match and never look back and a seven, nothing win. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys we can get into, but who really stood out for you?
3: Well, you're right. So you got, a Jonathan Lewis, uh, former NYCFC. No, nobody's mad at Jonathan Lewis. It's just funny that he's producing now, but he's no longer with the with the team that that needs goals. But we'll we'll get to that. Uh, he gets his first international goal, and uh, then Jesus Ferrera uh, got his first international goal. Andres Pereira makes his debut, and uh, before we started recording, uh, the Medellin, Colombia native, uh, I guess, is now officially confirmed for us with this appearance tonight. I like, I like he's that. He's not,
0: dude. he's not native in Medellin. He wasn't born in Medellin. Oh, he wasn't. He was born in Florida for Lauderdale.
3: All right. Well, the MLS soccer.com website and bio needs to, uh, they need to, uh, they need to tidy that up a little bit. I
0: just Thank finished you, though, your point of. and I <laughs> give you the facts about one those.
1: yellow card to Glenn Crooks, in the opening minutes of this podcast. Congratulations.
3: But he's a dual he's a dual national, right? He's Colombian? He is,
0: of course. Okay.
1: All right. So
3: maybe are from Medellin. All right.
0: right.
1: Gee
3: whiz. You want
0: No, 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 stop. You're messing okay. around. His father no. is from Santa Marta. So no. He's not from Medellin. I'm Needed. not messing around. I'm just going by what that's <laughs> on the site. Anyway. Listen. All right. I'm, let me go let me go into that then. I didn't want to but let's go into that. It's, these are not, your, for,
3: not for too long, though, because right you know, because there are their
0: facts that are not so important. But those two are both are sons of ex professional players. Jesus yeah. Ferreira is he's the son of David Ferreira, and uh, Andres Pereira is the son of Nixon Pereira. One was um, a attacking midfielder; the other one was a central back. Center back. Um, funny thing is Nixon Pereira debuted as a professional in Santa Marta, the city where David and Jesus are from. And uh, the one that was born in the States, which is Pereira, played first for the Colombian national team then with the U.S. men national team, while Ferreira, who was born in Colombia, played first for the U.S. men national team. It's just fun facts around those two. But yes, you're right in the fact that Andres is tied up already with the US men's national team because he played for the youth uh, national teams in Colombia and he asked the one-time switch to FIFA that every player is allowed. So once yeah. he asked for the switch, and now that he played even in a friendly, he cannot, I mean, not, a, not even if he plays, but once FIFA approved the switch, he cannot go back.
2: Okay. if he
0: doesn't play. He's now a U.S. national team player. Now, in the case of Ferreira, he was born in Santa Marta, but he was made in in, uh, Frisco, Texas with FC Dallas, right? And he plays professionally for FC Dallas. He did not play for any kind of Colombian youth national team. And he did not play with any U.S. youth national team because he just got his U.S. national citizenship a year ago. So he just debuted it with the US men national team, and now today he scored his first game, his first goal. I'm sorry, he actually scored two goals and three yep. assists. Tonight. And he had one goal he for. Still is, they, he still if, has that window open. He still has that window uh, open. He can switch if, if he will, you know, see a yeah, chance. He yeah. could switch to Colombia.
1: I have to apologize for Glenn. He watched Narcos, so he thinks everybody's just from Medellin.
0: <laughs> yeah okay well that's, that's
1: the uh, most, uh, have the have most talked that, about but
3: uh but ferrera so uh, fc da- he scored one goal for fc dallas last season and now has two in one game for the u.s men's national team very nice i like him yeah actually so ad-
0: 45, in 45 minutes he had two goals and three assists yeah. B-
2: by the way if you start looking down this uh, score sheet their FC Dallas Academy players and FC Dallas players are involved in every single goal.
3: Yep. Everyone,
2: either goal or assist. So, uh, Ferreira, as you said, two goals, three assists. And then you had, uh, as well, uh, Kellen Acosta who came out of FC Dallas and he assisted on two goals. So, um, you know, every goal had uh, FC Dallas imprint in it, and it just goes to show what's happening in the country. I mean, obviously, they've been, you know, one of the top academies in the United States, but it also shows what's going on all around. And uh, all these academies are starting to develop really, really good young players. And if you look at the difference of where we were uh, prior to the 2018 World Cup, when in Cuba, the United States lost 2-1 to to Trinidad, And we, you know, as you're looking forward, you're saying, you know, what are we looking forward to? This is a nightmare. This is a disaster. And now you go three years later and you see exactly where the U.S. is with all these players shining on top teams in in Europe, more players going to other teams in Europe and playing and making a difference. The kids who are coming up and playing and making a difference in the the United States with MLS. And uh, it's an exciting time now because this is... It has been. It's not been really an evolution. It really has been a, a revolution. Uh, how this has happened and has happened so so quickly. And I'm excited to see how these teams, especially if the U.S. get when the U.S. gets a chance to present its full team, how they're going to go against much better competition. Because you could talk about yes, they've scored 19 goals against three CONCACAF teams in the last three games, which is Panama, El Salvador, and Trinidad. But two of those are level two teams. One of them is a level one CONCACAF team that's sort of like on the downside. And obviously hasn't, I mean, with the middle of COVID and everything, it's hard to say what they could have done. And they were playing the best, you know, the best Americans that we have in Europe. So there aren't fair tests. None of these have really been fair tests. It's great to see that the United States has been playing well against this type of competition, but I don't find them to be, you know, I want to see them against better competition to see how, how they
3: will. Of course. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we all do, but uh, you know, you can only, you play who you can play. I mean, if you, if, if the story is right, you know, Trinidad and Tobago did a massive favor for, uh, you know, for the U S just to come in with a, but they hadn't
0: played in 14 months and,
3: Yeah, I don't know. It was just Glenn. Who else were you excited?
0: Yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on, Tom. Just one, two, two things. One is to, you know, actually to support that uh, concept that Roberto was explaining about the revolution, right? And how the team has evolved and find players and find ways to do better things. So, those three games that Roberto mentioned November, December, and now this one at the end of January in every game you had three players that scored for the first time, their yep. first goal on the national team level. So you got in November, Reina, Joachini, and Soto. In December, you got Mueller, Akinola, and Aronson. And now this time, of course, you had uh, Jonathan Lewis, uh, Jesus Ferreira, and Miles Robinson. And now I just connect with the other part of that uh, point that Romento was making. And, and, and I don't care right now about the rivals. Uh, I don't think it's unfair, like he said so, because these kids are playing for the first time together. They're coming out of the camp. It's most of them are having their first games at the national team level, and you play to you know, whoever you have in front. Mm-hmm. And the idea of here is not having the team ready for the World Cup in three months or six months, but in this case, for example, to build a team, to construct that team that is going to fight and be at the Olympic level. So, yeah. you know, is, is that, is that is that sense. When you play this kind of game, you don't focus on the score sheet, You don't focus on the rival. You focus on what you are doing as a team and your kids are doing and how they behave, not only soccer-wise, but out of the field too. So I think that is what is important in this process. And, of course, everybody wants to see the players that is uh, you know, uh, the American players in Europe. But how many times are you going to get them all together? Probably once, you know, when you're actually competing – on the World Cup. or right, well, you're going to get them for the Cup. Gold
2: Cup. You're going to get them for the Gold Cup. and you're gonna Maybe get not. Top players Maybe not. Cup.
0: They're coming well, out of I mean, a big, a, well, long well, well, season well. with COVID, with all that. So one thing is that you may call them. The other thing is that you're going to have them. And you have to be prepared for those scenarios in which the players are going to come to you and say, you know what, I would love to play, but I had already 30 games in a COVID season away from home, and I need 10 days of rest. And you gotta say yes.
2: Possibility. Right. It's a possibility. At the same time, with the level of depth that the United States is developing now, if you're if you're that player, do you really want to take a chance that you're not going to be there? And then it makes it harder for you to be able to get minutes on the field?
0: It all depends. It all depends because every person is independent. Players are people. And they have elements that they had to resolve sometimes. And their bodies are asking for elements that they need. Or their careers are asking for certain weeks to, you know, get a deal done or whatever. You need to be away from camp. And and as a coach, especially today, in a a national team, you have to understand that. So what they're doing is actually the great part of the job being prepared for those contingencies.
2: Yeah. Well, right back now, to the-, the most important thing, I think. Sorry, Tom, one second. Right now, the most important thing is for those players. And I believe there were six in the starting lineup today who are 23 and under who are going to have to go to Guadalajara in March and earn a berth in the uh, in, in the Olympics, which has not been easy for the United States. They've missed the last two. Now, the way this tournament is set up, they're not going to face Mexico in the semifinals and the, and two of them are going to advance because Mexico and the United States are in the, same, in the group. same group yeah right and so they can't face each other so one is good if they both advance they can only face each other in the final and if that happens it doesn't matter because they both qualified. so uh, they don't have to go through each other to be able to make it to the Olympics uh, had that happened so there's an advantage there but uh, the last time I believe the U.S. had to qualify in Guadalajara, they got eliminated. So they didn't qualify. Um, so and that was, you know,
0: but that, one is, that's that was
2: why- a pretty decent team with Landon Donovan and a couple of other uh, standout U.S. players at the time. If I remember. Yeah, that's
0: why that's why this process is really good. I mean, that's one of the reasons to reach out to Perea and convince him, bring him to camp in December when he couldn't play. Because he didn't ask for the switch at that time was that, you know, show him what it was about talking about the possibility to be in the Olympic uh, team and and, and now get him do the switch by his own decision, of course, and being part of the team. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing.
2: And we have to remember that the United States is not going to be able to count on most of their top players in Europe who would qualify, but they're on their, the t- their teams are under no obligation to let them go. So there's going to be no Gio Reina and there's going to be uh, no Pulisic, and none, no, none,
0: uh, none. Nation, whoever sergeant, you want, none I of them is going to be there.
2: None of these guys who are you know tearing it up in Europe right now uh, are going to be able uh, to be there. So uh, these kids who are, you know, going to get a chance, and they're going to have a huge responsibility of get the of getting the U.S. into the Olympics.
1: So going back to that, we saw Jason Kreiss on the bench tonight. Obviously, he's manning that ship as they get ready for that tournament. Glenn, who else stood out to you, or who else maybe were you excited to see uh, make their debut or get some you know significant time with the U.S. tonight?
3: Well, you know. I think um, I, the the part of the story I liked is, and this is there's not much more Burrhalter can do. But the, the, I think he has he's setting a tone. Uh, there's no way Jonathan Lewis was in his starting eleven when Lewis came into camp. As far as if he's trying to invent an, an eleven for this game, Jonathan Lewis is not in it. Uh, I'm not answering your question directly because you know I wasn't. I didn't get this massive thrill to see Jonathan Lewis out there. I thought it was cool. But uh, the way he trained, and Roberto said it right from the outset. I think or Roberto or John, I can't remember, but uh, that uh, you know he earned it through training. You know, as did Kellen Acosta. Acosta probably, you know, good chance maybe he wasn't in the eleven in Berhalter's mind coming into camp as well. So I like the fact that this competition is being created in camp, so that no one feels comfortable. And uh, you know, the where I'm seeing, I'd like to say Sam Vines. I thought had a pretty good game, but there's I'm seeing stuff on Twitter that this, you know, he's he's like the second coming at left back. I, I no I, he's a guy. He's a guy we have to see against higher level. Yeah, I still think he's a bit of an awkward player. I don't know. I don't know if, don't know no, if he's the no, deal. No.
0: This, this this is not the time, Glenn. This is not the time to be, you know, taking names out of the first squad because you see these kids playing against Trinidad It's not the time. What you actually have to look at is the amount of players that you have in this roster, on today's roster, not only the 11, but on the bench, that qualify for that tournament. Because that's actually what they're doing. They're developing that. The rest of it is just coming with the time. The players that are, you know, working in Europe and playing in Europe, they're they're the number, you know, the one selection for everything. You could have those players for every single tournament. You will have... Those players, period. Any coach will love that, but you're not going to well, have to. Well, you
3: know, but what burholder said is uh, he, he said he this year he's going to need 30 to 40 players to, to utilize in all these different competitions. So, exactly. you know, a, 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 a majority of the young men we saw uh, tonight are going to be part of uh, whether it's the Olympic qualifying, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's the Nations League, Gold Cup, you know, I mean, they're um, – yeah. And, and during that period of time, Tom, it's like that's then hopefully he'll be, you know, engaged to make decisions uh, a little bit more readily. Because what's really hard is that, you you know, when you don't have the European players around, I mean, the, the thing to me is that Burhalter's system is, uh, is based very much on connectivity and, you know, how, you know, the, the movement of the ball, the, uh, you know, there's the relationships being developed on the field and all that. And when guys aren't there, you're not developing relationships, but I mean, you know, it's just the way it is. It's, um, and that's what has to, that's what has to eventually, you know, come about. And the other thing, um, cause you guys talked about evolution, the evolution of the team under Borhalter, which is also interesting, I think is he wanted, he had a play, way he wanted to play when he came into this international competition, you know, back in 2019, uh, when he got the, or 18, when he got the team and I can't remember when his first match was, uh, but what he has discovered is he's got a he's got a unit or a squad or a selection or a stable where um, they can do a lot more high pressing. So they've really they've evolved in terms of how he saw the game building out of the back, you know, between the lines, through the lines, you know, half spaces, and now they're pressing the part of their game plan, and I think Roberto, this is what I, I, I'm looking forward to see is when they play a quality opponent. I want to see them high let's see how that works as far as this high press which is is becoming something that they're emphasizing they're emphasizing well, it he
2: can emphasize it because he has a really young team right now and uh, at the age of that you know that's a strong part of that the fact that uh, they they can run forever and that that helps but uh, if you're going to have a like a, a veteran laden team out there which which doesn't really look like it because they are really Unless you're going to start bringing the Michael Bradleys back into camp, and uh, Josie was supposed to play, but he got hurt. Now there's talk about a transfer, so we never got a chance and uh, to to play. They held him out on, on purpose, so no, you know nothing would happen. So uh, I think that that's uh, that's part of it. I mean, but there's incredible depth pretty much at every position now, which I don't think that we've had in the past. That, as you were talking about Sam Vines, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to see his evolution and how he does against better uh, opposition. But I think that if you look at the, the, the top U.S. team right now, you know, he's got to go through Serginio Dest because Serginio Dest on the U.S. national team probably plays on the left because that allows you to play Reggie Cannon on the right. And I think that Reggie Cannon is a much better option on the right than anybody else who you have on the left. So right now, that's the way things are composed. And Sergio Dest is very good at playing at either side. He can play either side, right or left, uh, for either the new U.S. national team, Barcelona, who, or whoever.
1: John? Cool. I,
0: I don't know. I feel like I'm in a different conversation. <laughs> because it's, it's, uh, I don't feel the need to compare Gio Reyna and Serginho Dest and, you know, uh, all those guys that are poly with these kids, they're different targets for them. You know, having them to replace Serginho this tomorrow, you have them to go through the Olympic process and you build them in now and you're working with them the same kind of system and the same uh, philosophy and elements. So, whenever they get to that point, they know how to play the same system that the big guys, that the first team is playing. So right,
2: Jumbo, it, we're it, just projecting.
0: It, it, it's okay, it's fine. But when the when the coach says, I need 30 players or 35 players to cover the year, it's because he understands that he needs different teams.
2: I, exactly, so, but, uh, but, but what, what we're talking about here, and I don't want anything that I've said to be taken out of context, is about projecting to the time where you have, the really important games at the end of the year with the World Cup qualifying or some point during World Cup qualifying or even if you make the World Cup at the World Cup. I'm not you saying can't. right now you a- you any of that is happening. You
0: can't project in soccer. The life of a soccer player, yeah. the career and the game dictates that you got to live in the- today.
3: But what? But going back to my point, which started all this, is that Burhalter has seen most everybody he's gonna see I mean there could be some exceptions and he has real they have changed their method of playing the game. They were not high press when he first got he didn't envision it that way. So when I say high press it's not just like you know 90 minutes of you know people rushing and running around but they're they're applying pressure uh, in in higher points up the field to try. Right now, Bowl they one, want yeah. they want to win the ball in the opponent's half, so they have less time to get to goal. I mean, it's which was not originally how he thought about the game as the head coach of the U.S. men's yeah. national team. So whoever's in that mix for right now, anyway, that's why burhalter foresees uh, the way they'll play.
1: So wh- when you think, think, think
0: about, I think he still does. Well,
1: but uh, yeah. so. To, to John's point and to Roberto's point and a little bit to Glenn's as well, So we, we're we not going to sit here and build a, a five-deep roster at every position in terms of who we think should start and, and project everything, but if you step back and, number one, think about just the amount of games the U.S. has coming up in the next calendar year um, and just the overall, John, just depth that the team has now, would you say that this is the most exciting time to be a fan of just U.S. soccer?
0: Of course. And it's the time with most pressure on the national team coach because you have so much, you know, tools to work around. Of course, you have so much competition, too, and not only in terms of your players but tournaments to compete on that the pressure is there. I mean, you have to produce because for every competition that you have in front of you, you are building – those tools, you are having teams prepared and ready. So for that coaching staff, the pressure is mounting and mounting every time they can showcase players like today. You know, the, when, when you see Vines and you say, okay, this could be our left back for the, for the, for the Olympic national team. And, and you have Ferreira and, and then you keep going down the, the, the roster today, for example, even on the bench. Matthew Friese, the goalkeeper, is there. He is on an an Olympic age. Uh, You can keep going and you can count George Bello and Andres Perea and Benji Mitchell, I think, or Dike, one of the two. Um, is uh, is Dike, who's 20. So when you have so many elements, yes, you have to be excited because this coaching staff has the tools, personal-wise, to build teams that are producing and connecting with with Glenn's point, I think that Berhalter still sees that way of playing, but he's adapting to those elements to those players. So, right,
1: he's adapted to the players
0: exactly. You're not going to the not gonna ask the yeah. exactly. yeah. yeah. same to Jackson Jewel that you asked to Giorena, right? They're different kind of players. If you see Ferreira today, for example, he scored twice, right? But most of the times when he gets the ball, he was trying to. Open space and look for someone to finish, right? He actually had three assists. He's unselfish. He's a different player. If you have your number nine, it all depends who is he, what are his characteristics, and how are you going to play. So trying to get that ball recovery on zone three, which is the first defensive zone of the opposition, makes a big difference depending on, one, what's the opposition, who is the opposition, and second, the players that you have. And I think he still believes that with the A team, he can play that way. With the other kids, he still needs to be adapted to them and give them the tools to succeed first. Because with so many team with players that are showcasing a real good talent, you need to succeed. I'm I'm,
3: I'm interested in the looking at the midfield in the future too, because uh, you know Yule was in that holding midfield role, because like you know. Weston McKinney's not a holding midfielder. Gio Reyna's not a holding midfielder. Kristen Pulisic is not a holding midfielder. So I wonder if, you know, and that, that role in Greg Berhalter's systems, at least with Columbus crew, you know, that was a very, very important part of the field. You know, you can tell you watch Yule moving tonight, you know, how he just always angling himself, making himself available, whether it's at an angle dropping to the back line and, um, just curious as to who that player is going to well, be along with a, a lot of the, the, Adam the 4 three,
0: three, player, the 4-3-3 that we saw in the first games for example today was turned into 4-2-3-1 at the beginning of the game
3: well, I forgot Tyler about Tyler Adams, Adams. No I, I forgot about Tyler Adams so that's yeah, probably I mean, that, uh, that, that, that's your yeah. six yeah that's uh, I forgot about Tyler you know these guys in the Bundesliga uh, you know they're they're, they're 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 gone and forgotten Except I'm for Reina, more
2: Bundesliga these days, and uh, then I thought I'd be. But
3: well, yeah, no, uh, no, no. NBC no. putting uh,
2: all the EPL on Peacock, like they.
3: Well, did look there. at all the guys that. So Adams, Brooks, Chandler, Hoppy, Reina, Richards, Sergeant. Uh, Richards didn't play. It doesn't look like, uh, but all, all either. Uh, yeah, all in the squad. In, which which in Richards? Uh, Chris Brooks Richards. Scored, Chris, Chris Richards. Yeah.
0: No, because he's he's Ding. making the move right now. Yeah. He's on Hoffenheim, loan. Believe, he was right? making the loan.
3: Well, he was on the be- he was on the bench for Bayern on um over the weekend. But um
2: right, yeah, right. he's has go- so Where is he going? going? Hoffenheim. Yeah. Yeah. Hoffenheim,
0: yep. Yeah. Uh, Hoffenheim, I believe. So he's going to play a lot and then yeah. you have another tool. Once this kid is having consistent competition and, and he's having playing time, there's another player. Yeah. that's a- that's <laughs> he's got quite a he's got quite a job Berhalter. But
3: I if I were the head coach, I mean, you know, you just you're you, you lavish in what looks like riches now, but you're right about the pressure because everything is about that we've we've never been in better shape as far as our talent level, as far as guys playing at the highest levels. so there is you, you know if if we don't qualify for the Olympics and don't qualify for the
0: World cup and even, uh, and even hell will pay team, even with those guys that are super talented that are in Europe, I mean, how many times they're playing together, you know? Yes, they exactly. play the at part. the youth level. Some that's of the them, they part. play together at the youth level. But the competition now is totally different. getting them all as a team, that's a big test, too. The other is this thing you the most see...
1: excited you've ever been?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Roberto?
1: Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean,
2: I've been following the U.S. national team since, God, the 70s. And uh, there wasn't much of a U.S. national team back then. And um, Yeah, really? Who, who's the... on that team? I mean, you really have to start looking at some, you know. College not, players. Not much. I mean, I remember Team America and speaking of which, uh, one of uh, <sighs> one of the great players for Team America and uh, you know, great player for the Cosmos, Chico Borofa, just died uh, this week after a long battle with cancer. He's a good friend. Um, I, I feel terrible that I didn't get a chance to go down to Florida to see him within the past uh, year and a half uh, because we talked about it and I wanted to do it, but COVID, obviously, does, hasn't allowed me to travel uh, down there. So um, I, I really feel awful that uh, he passed away. And uh, sincerest condolences to his family and his friends. Uh, a really, really good guy. And uh, I remember, you know, how well he played for the Cosmos, how well he represented the U.S. national team, what a key player he was for that Team America team that they put together to try to uh, help the U.S. national team qualify for world cups it didn't work out sadly but um you know they, they, they tried and uh now that you made me think about all this but um
3: yeah Bor- borja, to... i know you uh i knew you knew borja i got to know him on facebook roberto because he uh i think he listened to some of the stuff we've done uh, yeah. or serious or something and uh yeah he's been he was sick over three years with cancer it's just uh and you could just very positive individual. And I remember him all so well watching Cosmo's games at giant stadium. So yeah. uh, he was good. He
1: was a good player. Any other thoughts boys? before we turn to MLS from. Yeah.
3: Uh, I, the one thing I want to, cause we're, cause we've talked a lot about the, the, the European guys. We don't see them, you know, they're not playing together. The connection. I found it. I was surprised when I heard Borhalter say, um, and this is a, uh, if you go on my Twitter and you go on my YouTube, uh, I've got this one-on-one with a Burholder I did uh, about three weeks ago. And he talked about Reggie Cannon, uh, who Roberto brought up, and reviewing clips with Reggie Cannon while he was with his club team. What Verhalter said, I, I was almost shocked by. He said, you know, sometimes these clubs – don't spend enough time with the individual players. And he said, you know, some of that can be forgiven because they they have such a congested schedule with COVID and things like that. So, because uh, I, I, I said to him, I said, so teams are okay with that? You, you can get together, watch clips with them, make suggestions? He goes, well, we would never tell him uh, to, to do something different than what his coach is telling him. But he said it was one of the ways that they remained connected with these European-based players so that they know exactly what they're doing, how they're playing. It's, it's not the same, but because of uh, technology and all the different things, and Burhalter is just, uh, you know, one thing we've found is he's quite meticulous, is that uh, all these players know exactly what's going on when they come into a camp. So whenever Reggie Cannon comes back in, he'll be up to speed. But I just thought I'd throw that in because so I thought it was pretty interesting. Reviewing clips with a guy while he's with his club,
0: but it, it, and it is for everybody. I mean, um, the connection with the video analysis is so much that uh, the video analysis people and the coaching staff review most of the games of these players on a regular basis on their with their clubs. Right. And they try to send them every now and then small clips with little details of what they do on club versus what they will do in national team and how to adapt to them and if it is exactly the same or not, that kind of stuff. So right. everybody is not only on a paper list being part of a 30 something, you know, roster of US men national team eligible guys, but as uh, they are on the list of people that are receiving education, tactical education from the coaching staff every now and then.
3: And and he said he would just, uh, he was talking to him more about a lot of general stuff. Like, you know, you could have closed down a little bit quicker in this situation, you know, and what he did when he got into the attacking area, knowing what uh, the way he put it was, he would find out for the player exactly what was expected of him in that match. And then he would review those expectations on um, film. So yeah, I, I, I didn't know that, John. And I was, uh, I, I just thought, you know, when they're with their clubs, you just hands yeah. off, man.
0: Well, and it's so much and so detailed that one of the guys that works at the, uh, at the federation level at the U S federation level with the video analysis is moving on from the federation to work with uh, Monaco in league one. He's leaving the federation and going to work with Monaco. Those guys are working a lot. Oh, I saw that. Prepared. I saw that. Hey,
3: just on that note, uh, Daniel Fradley is the New York City FC version of that. He's the director of uh, performance analytics. I forget the exact title. But I did a, uh, I did an interview with him. So in a couple of weeks, I'm going to put it up on my – it'll be on my SiriusXM show, and then I'll put it on the podcast. But it was he was great, you know, just describing in detail, you know, how, how it goes. And uh, I'm pretty fascinated by all that. And it's because – it's like – and John – I don't know if you guys know, but John, John has taken, you know, courses um, on this analysis side, John, our John, John Rojas, and um, which is why he um, he uh, describes it with such fondness when, when he does talk about it. I but man, it's right become, there. it's a, uh, there he is. It's a, uh, you know, it's a profession now when, gosh, five to seven years ago, you know, you, that wasn't like a, you didn't see that as a, as a, as a possibility of a it's full-time It's a profession employment. in all
0: levels, Glenn, now, even in development. I mean, there's academies already that work with the kids, you know, trying to correct mistakes and trying to improve weaknesses and, and, and make their, their strengths even, you know, better. Uh, you do that with, with academies too. There's small projects in which you work with academies and they give you um, the games tape and you review a specific players and then you get in a little, you know, call with the players and explain to them what is expected and what they did and what they don't do on a regular basis and they get better out of it.
1: So we're film sessions at Rutgers Glen, just on a piece of paper with X's and O's
0: I'll never no. No, we ended up getting this
3: system called game breaker. So I, I haven't, you know, I'm not, I am that old, but I haven't been out of it that long. But I will say, preparing for my, very, my first year at Rutgers, we made it to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Carly Lloyd was a freshman. And I'll never forget sitting in the hotel with my team and a VHS, you know, with the, the, what, the video playback machine, huge monitor. And I'm, I'm, I'm hitting play and fast forward and rewind because we were, we were looking at North Carolina playing against Duke in the previous round, we had gotten the tape, but I just think back to to then and how you do it now. And uh, we have huddle at our club, which is a really, you know, pretty easy thing to operate. And you make your cl- I can make ten clips for one of my players, and you know, really quickly send it to her, write some notes, and it's just like yeah. Advance so on that
0: field is awesome, Glenn. The advance on that field is great. I mean, uh, last year. No, yes, last year, once the, the quarantine started, the pandemic hit and everybody has to be home, I decided to do a series of interview with people uh, close to different MLS clubs related to this. And, yeah. and I was talking, I closed the series with Oscar Pareja. And we were talking with Oscar about how he worked with this, with video analysis or analysis of the game. When he was a player and now he being a coach and he told me a story that when he was playing the coach used to hire um an architect to draw the place with players and all that with a paper <laughs> and at some point of the practice the coach used to stop practice bring a guy with two big rolls of paper and he just throw the rolls of paper on the ground with cones on the corners <laughs> and show the draw that the architect was drawing for him with the place. So that was our video analysis. That was Oscar said at that point. So the advance is on uh. that field. How, how about the This is what concerns
2: coach. me. This is what concerns me. I you see have a the concern advantages. about all this. Yeah, there's a concern. <laughs> and it's this. I see the advantages when you have smart people taking this information and then being able to discern it, I have a major issue with. We already have so much overcoaching at the youth levels in the United States that they're going to have something else now to overcoach with and make players even more robotic in, in many senses and take away whatever sense of freedom that they would have because you know that they're, they're overdoing yeah. it uh it's sort of like giving a cow a shotgun and it just somehow you know it's just going to be totally misused by a lot of people and i wait, wait 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 wait.
3: is uh we can we go back to that analogy giving a cow a shotgun i don't exactly i don't get it so how does a cow hold a shotgun he doesn't have fingers right use it that's the point (laughs) he can't use it glenn and these
2: people are going to be, it's going to be in their hands. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Showing stuff, but uh, they can't use it. They're going to No, with well, that. Ev- in but, Roberto, fashion.
3: but I think John, I bet you John's encountered this too. Every person, any coach I've talked to about this says, number one, you can't overload your players. You have to be very careful about that. And number two, you need to know, you have to get to know each individual. Some individuals can handle more than others. So, Even if it's at the youth level, it's very important as a youth coach to to know each player and get to know them and know what what happens in a lot of these academies. Well, that's That's
2: not what happens. Well, that's 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 I I saw how they mishandled Eddie's team for three years. Well, well, listen, one of the three, but really, really bad.
0: But it happens in everything. It happens in every field, with every tool, with every advantage of. You know technology or, or knowledge it happens there's people who knows how to use it and try to use it at their best and there's people who misuse it and that is on you know players and, and parents and, and, and academy directors to understand how to use it and what fits better yeah. for you and for the teams and for the kids is you know i mean dynamite was invented to build and the man is using it to destroy things so
3: so hey, look, hey, there's some coaches that know how to use it, and there's other coaches that hand a knife to a cow, you know. And this is what this <laughs> yeah. is what we have to do. It was a shotgun, by the way, not a knife. It was well, a, a knife shotgun. works the same way.
2: They can't grab a knife either. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard but that the... analogy before. Is, no, is that a Guadalajara go. analogy, or what? What the? Where no, did no, that come from? No, it was
2: from? made in right. made in America.
1: Made in America. Anyway, oh. Yeah, All it's
2: right. made in America. Point All B. Right.
1: Well, let's go that, back.
2: I'm just, there's, there's just a fear about being misused.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Because yeah, we have it a can lot of really yeah, bad coaches and academies, and we know
0: this. It totally yeah. can happen. It totally can happen. But the best, the best academies, the best coaches, and the best cultures are going to find and are finding and are working on how to use it better and better and better, especially today when the kids are more like, you know, get out of the field and get the fun. Yeah, they get their phones and they start texting and playing video games. Well, if you want to play a video game, let's play this soccer tactical video game, (laughs) for example. Which they are. uh,
3: One more uh, interesting host, who who was it? Um, Joe Cummings interviewed Jose Mourinho recently and in a one on one. And I found this very interesting. He said that now in modern day preparation, he focuses less on the opposition that he it used to be like, you know, 80% opposition, 20% wh- whatever his team was. And now it's almost like flip-flop that, uh, you know, it's, he, no he, he worries about his own team. I agree. Because, I think that but, that's what you should do. But, but, but it's beyond it's what important. you should do. But his point was is that the opposition and the coaches and the preparation for the, that teams are so much better – like you could prepare for, you know, 4141 and they come out in a, you know, 433 and you know you're it's just teams can adjust just like uh Dome's New York City FC team, man. I, they were a tough team to play against because it didn't matter how you came out to, and defended them, they were going to have an answer. And that's what right. Marino's kind of say. It's like they're always going to have an answer. So let's just worry about ourselves. Let's make ourselves better. Yeah, I actually have the quote right in front of me
0: because I was on that session. And he says, the tactical analysis has changed in the last two to three years from analysis, the opponent, the opposition to analyze my own team. Currently, the the top teams doesn't have, they don't have any uh, model of play. What they have is a a tactical culture. So they change Every weekend, it makes no sense to spend so much time trying to understand the opposition while I leave my team without understanding 100% what we want from us.
2: And, you know, what he understood now is that without Harry Kane, they're in real trouble. Today, they lost to Burnley, one nothing. And so they keep on falling down uh, the standings without Harry Kane, who's hurt.
1: Mm. Well, let's bring it back to the U.S. and Major League Soccer. And... Good news, bad news, Glenn. We have good news, some dates to potentially look forward to. Bad news, we still don't have an agreement between the league and the players. But the the league has gone ahead and announced some dates that you can put on your calendar that will hopefully come to fruition, starting with preseason, which will be supposed to begin on February 22nd, so about three weeks. But the only thing we got as far as the negotiation is, we're going to spend a little more time negotiating. That's where we are right now.
3: Yeah, there's an extension to this uh, deadline that Major League Soccer called a hard deadline. Major League Soccer's Players Association said there's no such thing. So uh, right there, it's been pretty contentious. So we do know that there's an extension. We do know that the players came back with a counter offer, And um, instead of uh, the owner's um, proposal of an additional two years on the current agreement, that uh, the players brought it back to just one additional year, which was a, is regarded as a pretty, pretty, um, pretty large concession. Trying to meet in the middle, maybe, and it sounds like Major League Soccer, from reports and, and people that are a little bit more on the inside, maybe have the story. Uh, it might not necessarily be receptive to that. So February twenty second is uh, a pre. So they pushed everything back a month remember last time we talked, it was, I, I, and I know there was a debate about it, but you know, it almost seems like, uh, the owners moved the, uh, from March 3rd to April 3rd, maybe to appease the players as far as the start of the regular season, maybe just to say, yep, we do. We do understand that it's been a difficult year and and we, and despite all the congestion that's going to come up, um, or was it just the fact they weren't even close? They didn't have an agreement. How can you start preseason on January 22nd? Because, uh, you know, so there, there's a lot going on. And there's and, another and factor,
0: I... Glenn, because um, the, the, the preseason is supposed to start on February 22nd. So, of course, players can start reporting one, two days before to do medicals and stuff. But they will have to comply with a mandatory quarantine upon reporting. Right. So, right. you know, that makes the time... I, I had a
3: question. So they can't come in a week before that date to start quarantining. That's they the do,
0: report. That... They do, but it all depends on on, on particular um, uh, cases, first. And second, as a whole, the team cannot be holding official events before February 22nd. Yeah. So you cannot have 10 medicals in your facilities on February 15th. You cannot. Yeah.
3: But the players could come into the air. So you're... Right. That, but that's the quarantine question. Where, when, What counts as quarantine? Them just moving into the area?
0: Right. Or? You report to the team and say, I'm available right now. And then the medical staff gets to you tested. And then you start your quarantine right now. And all that has to be documented. <laughs> and then... But so that could uh, happen
3: on different days then.
0: Yes. Yeah. But you had to... uh, You had to have in t- in your mind that... If if February twenty second is the the beginning of the preseason, the team already let you know what is the day that you guys are traveling. If you're traveling to another region to do your preseason, let's say New York to Florida, because you know the first days of training camp in New York will be very cold. I have no idea. I'm just saying, if that is the schedule that they put up, then you need to be ready for that flight. So that is on you. What time are you gonna come in? Do the quarantine. On and be ready for that preseason because on that schedule, the season starts uh, April third. Uh, that weekend, third and fourth is the, yeah, first, the, the yeah. first weekend. And of then,
2: it. but then the the problem comes in is that if there is no agreement, then there's an owners lockout, and that means that the players can't be going into the facilities and then what? So uh, there's a it's, a it's a it's a mess. It's an unnecessary mess. I mean, I know the the owners are trying to. Get you know try to recoup some of the money that they lost from from last year, but th- this all just seems terribly unnecessary. And uh, you you hope that they come to a to a resolution quickly. And then the other part of this is that the television contract ends, I believe, at the end of uh, at the end of twenty two, and they're talking, and the the owners want the contract to go beyond that. And once that happens, there's probably going to be a considerable amount of revenue that's going to be coming into the teams because of the television contract above what they're getting now, which is, I believe, $90 million a year. So the players, rightfully so, would say, hey, you guys are going to be coming in with a lot more money, and we should share in some of that pot. And right now, that doesn't seem to be part of the offer that the
3: owners are making. Mm. And uh, just as a, as an aside, we're recording this Sunday night after the U.S. men's national team went over uh, Trinidad and Tobago, but uh, Monday morning, 10 a.m. So by the time this gets published, this will have been announced. The Independent Supporters Council uh, will be making a statement in support of the Major League Soccer Players Association. No shock. Uh, the, their last three words of their Fairly long three-paragraph statement, let them play. Uh, and basically saying our players have made extreme sacrifices over the past year, forced away from their families for months, followed by an extreme travel schedule during the regular season, COVID-19 protocols, and uh, made monetary concessions that totaled over $150 million. I guess that's what's been
0: reported. So um, so the supporters
3: like- are on the side of the players, which again, yeah.
0: which is and- what you would expect. Yeah, I mean, it only makes sense, right?
1: What's your guys' yeah. favorite kind of pie?
0: <laughs> pie?
1: Yeah, Roberto said just piece of the pie, so now I'm thinking about. Pie. I just
3: like ch- I like chocolate pie. I don't
0: like any. Pie. I'm not a pie guy. I like mm. the biggest one though.
1: <laughs> what's what's your flavor?
0: John? Oh, that's a different question. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. What, what what kind? What flavor? Apple. Mm. I would say it's not the correct answer, Roberto. You guys Pizza. are both.
0: Pizza
2: is the only correct pizza answer pie. Oh, that's
1: good too. Key <laughs> lime is the key correct key answer. Key oh, thing. that's terrible. Only terrible if you're stuff. in Florida. No, nah, well, it's nah. good all the time.
0: Listen, there's one one part of that pie that we did not mention, and it's another situation that MLS has to deal with and is uh, the Canadian teams. Oh
3: my goodness. So
0: they, they are it's like they're still they're still there, yeah. they still slice yeah, the in and out. So as of now, it looks like they will have to do exactly the same they did yeah. to finish last season, which is moving to the States and play here for like three or four months. How
2: yeah,
0: do, how do Tr- you add
3: that to those the, players? The NBA is do doing they that they now. Just, uh, then well, Trudeau just said
2: yeah.
3: Trudeau just said team, uh, you can't go back and Toronto. forth, right?
2: Right. Hmm. In the NBA, it's only one team, which is Toronto, and they've taken up residence in Tampa. All
3: right. Nice spot. Yeah, the worst well, places you can go. A,
2: but by the way, baseball is going to run into the same situation, right? Again with Toronto. Last year they played in Buffalo, so uh we'll see where they wind up playing uh this year. But, but John, you made it. You know, you, made you it hope good. that with vaccinations and things yeah. getting yeah, uh, pushed, you hope team. that by early summer where they'll be able to go back there. And play will be. They'll open the border now between Canada and the U.S.
0: Right. The thing is, it's not the same to us of uh, you know a professional athlete that makes millions to move away from home three months and leave an entourage around your wife and parents to help them, and a kid that is making a hundred thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> I'll take the eight hundred thousand. Well, you know, just John to your <laughs> point though. Going right back, down. it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how many teams travel for preseason because that has been really big the last couple of years i mean i think about you know like portland spending a month in arizona and then going to costa rica for two weeks just right. some preseason training how many teams are going to do that
3: right well you know if you can stay home you have to this is why new york, new york city should have a heated training facility they should have a heated field one of those grass fields i mean they spent all that money on that thing in a bubble. And yep. You know, they, they, be, and this is a perfect example. Why? The amount of money that you would save. I mean, you hear all about the finances. How much money would you save by not going to Abu Dhabi for pre seed? I mean, really? I mean, yeah, it, but
2: that's for most. That's marketing. The reason they go to Abu Dhabi is all marketing, it has nothing to do with anything else. That's good well, for or the brand.
3: It, are they going to Jacksonville from, so Jacksonville is for marketing? No, no, that, that's not
2: Abu Dhabi. You said Abu Dhabi, and I'm, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm speaking. I'm, that was about one Abu place Dhabi. they've gone
3: for. That's
0: where they've gone for preseason way, it's once. A
2: slightly
0: you know, longer flights <laughs> than Jacksonville. <laughs> but, Likely. <laughs> say, Glenn, if CD Group asks you to go to La Paz for preseason,
3: you go, to La Paz. you
2: go to La Paz. Well, then
3: you'd build up. You'd build up your lungs. I would. I would take my team to La Paz for preseason, man. You, if they could breathe there, they could breathe. They can yeah, handle anyway. Orlando. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Really trying to build the brand in Jacksonville. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Imagine down at the old Jacksonville Mart,
1: yeah. Oh, have the team
3: standing out front with all their you know signing jerseys. <laughs> hey, the Jacksonville team in
2: from the old NASL when New England moved from uh, the New England Jacksonville Armada. The Jacksonville they, still
3: Armada. Jacksonville they still have Armada
2: Jacksonville Armada.
3: Yeah, hey, you mentioned 800 grand. I mean, That's
2: when what... Miola was the coach there for a while, wasn't he? Yes, he was.
1: Yeah, short time. Um. What were you going to say about money, Glenn?
3: No, the 800 grand made me think of Aaron Long again. And this uh, rumor that, uh, well, uh, Jeff carlyle was one that put it specifically that the championship side, Reading, may have been the one that, um, you know, offered uh, the loan. And uh, I, I, he's 28 years old. I don't know what you guys think. I, and the Red Bulls, it didn't work out with West Ham. Um, I was just thinking. I've, I've been thinking like lockout, uh, potential not play, loan. U.S. Men's National Team getting ready for some important events is long going to be one of our center backs. It certainly looks like there's a strong possibility he could be, uh, you know, in the eleven uh, at the World Cup if we're fortunate enough to qualify. But imagine the development he'd have going. Wait, wait to hold on. What development? He's twenty eight.
2: <laughs> At this point, that's that the development is done, but I uh, mean, bu- still bullshit.
3: What are you guys no. talking about? No, 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 no. Hold no. tell- on. Hold on. You, hold can, on. you, can, you hold can tell on. me
0: that he's going to grow, which is different, but development. No, he's not a kid to develop. He's a player that needs well, to grow, grow on his competition. That's different.
3: That's, sem- that's semantics. Uh-uh. Uh, are you? Here's what I'm going to tell Yes, it is. You're, he's going to go to re- if he goes to Reading. I think they're when I last looked there in fifth place in the championship, mm-hmm. which would, if the season ended today, they'd be in a playoff to, for promotion. Uh, so he, if he gets a chance to go there and play, he's involved in a game-to-game, you know, World Cup final because of how important those avenues to
0: promotion are. Remember who's Redding's coach? Pardon? Remember who's uh, Redding's coach? Tell me again. Pauno. no.
3: Huh? Oh, no, that's right. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that. Anyway, um, which maybe is one of the reasons uh, that, that makes more sense now, John. But... Well, wasn't there also talk about uh, Aaron Long with Liverpool
2: to be, to, to be in that? And I don't, know where that, I don't there, know where that but, came but, from. I don't know where
3: that came from. That was, Twitter, it was all over Twitter for a while. passed over the weekend, too. But but yeah. my I want to get back to my point of how important that would be for – if if development's the wrong word, I'm not sure what word to use other than he's going to become a better player. Is that not development?
0: No. I mean, sure it is. No. Sure it is. No. He's not, you, you have, you have, you have your, your development and you know this, I mean, you, you, you build programs and the development is attached with the age. That you get better and understand more and mature—that's different to development. There's things that you cannot do with certain age. You're not going to learn certain things past certain age. That's development. I I'm now when being, you are a player, John, a I have vehemently age,
3: disagreed with you in a long time. But man, I'm there's there's no way I'm accepting that statement from you without an argument that the at past a certain age you can't develop. You can't learn. You use the no, word no, no. learn. You,
0: yeah, you, you can, know the you can't get what better. you
3: uh-huh. what you learn, what you learn after you know it all is what counts. And that's John Wooden, Roberto, uh, Tom. John Wooden. And and you never stop learning. That's true. No. So that's 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 if listen, if he can if for whatever reason he can ping a fifty yard ball to the right flank under pressure better because there's a different sort of pressure.
0: That's development. And you Sorry. think that the team is taking him, let's say reading, let's bring this 28 year old kid and help him to develop. No. Okay.
3: No, I'm talking about the surroundings, okay. the environment, the, okay. the, 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 what the, what the, the games personal. mean, what the games mean. Okay. So mm-hmm. anyway, but that's, you know, I just think and it would I it would help the US men's national team but it I the, I've, I've said in the past that I don't I don't think MLS is there to to you know support the US men's national team necessarily. They're there uh, no. if you're the coach you're there to win, develop your own program
0: and win games. You know? how but do the guys fact think... neither no league no league is there to support the national team. That's different. Right.
1: How yeah. how do you guys think Jordan Morris is going to do?
0: Well, he played
3: already five games. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to I, I want to see him against Man City. They're going to play him in the uh, FA Cup uh, pretty yep. soon. Yep. So we'll we'll see. And he's involved. I, in some, I so there. He's got the tools to succeed over there.
2: I mean, I, I know he gets a little bit late, mind you, but uh, I think he's got the tools to succeed. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be he's going to be fine.
3: Yeah, he's we getting there too the late. They, be there's player. no way he, he can get, get there's no way he can get better, learn and develop because he's over there too <laughs> late. It's, you know, it's it's over. You know, I don't. You know. <laughs> Why did to stay in Seattle?
0: He's not, he's not taking his personal <laughs> surgeon with him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's right.
3: His, his old man, right?
0: By the way, he did not perform the, the
3: surgery. No, he did not. He uh-huh. did not. Uh-huh. It's just he did clarify that. Jordan yeah. Morris, when he got it, did his knee. His dad was there and, you know, well, yeah, he did, everything, but did not chief,
0: do the, surgery. the medical yeah. chief operator from, from uh, Seattle Saunders. <clears throat> and it right.
1: seems to be just fine. Any yeah. other so, topics? You guys want to touch on before we bring this debate no. to a close?
0: No, I think I just want to say that I I feel strong about players having uh, a good point in this negotiation with MLS. I think they should be respected. They're doing a lot. There's a lot of uh, difference on pay and and. You know, they're trying to gain more, not only for the guys who, win, who earn the most amount of money, but for the regular player in MLS. And that's what, you know, is going to bring more quality of life for those guys. But I think oh. that the, the league is not uh, in a state of having this kind of uh, lockdowns and, and strikes and all that is not a good moment. I think both sides understand that this could be one of the best moments of the league because of the, the 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 tone internationally on the publicity and talk around and surrounding MLS changed extremely from the last two years and is for the well being of the league. The way people is talking and media is talking about MLS in every corner of the world is better and better every time. So this will be the worst time in the worst scenario to get to a point of, of, of stoppage or, or strike or whatever uh, they get to. I think they're going to find an agreement. And, uh, and that's one. And the second point that I want to just close with is the the amount of youngsters that are coming because one of the elements of that, of, of that agreement, I mean, one of the elements of that agreement is a clause which, in which the teams can bring up to three players under 22 years old, and they get a less charge on their on their budgets. And you can see already that most of the of the of the transfers that are being announced for teams in MLS are 22 years and all kids.
2: Here's my issue with the whole thing. League um, needs investment. Does it need to cut corners? The the league needs to have better players that are fed domestically and brought in internationally to help this league get more eyeballs, more attention, better ratings. They don't do that. They stand less of a chance of getting more money out of television networks uh, to broadcast their games. They've got to get TV ratings up. They also have to fare better in international competition. Because we're not insulated. This is not an insulated league. The league plays outside. They play CONCACAF Champions League. They're going to be playing other championships against Mexico. And to keep on getting their brains beaten in every time. And, okay, we understand that last time. This year it didn't happen, but they didn't win either. They wound up losing LAFC to Tigres in the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. At some point, they're going to have to win that to to start getting other people to see hey you know this league is growing you you show your growth with results and they need those results they need to show and if they again it all comes back to eyeballs on television and then and and butts in stands but we're maybe six months away from having those butts in stands so you better get those eyeballs on tv you've got to get better players and if you keep on thinking that you're going to make an agreement with the players to not elevate to not open up the salary cap and not bring in better players and that people want to see that either want to watch on tv or come to the stadium they're sorely mistaken they're shooting themselves in the foot and this is where i don't understand it it is they're only looking at the short term as opposed to the long term and i think that's where the big mistake is happening if they're able to double their ratings on television as an example, okay, don't you think that ESPN and Fox and whoever else gets in on the bidding, Univision obviously, and if maybe in Amazon or Facebook or Twitter and or Twitch and all these things, they're going to say, Hey, we can get this from that many people watching games. Well, I'm more willing to pay that because it's going to be a million people per game as opposed to now where it ranges somewhere between 220 and half a million people, depending on what the game is, you know, aside from, you know, major playoffs or, or MLS cup. So the league is shooting themselves in the foot by doing this, as far as I'm concerned. And I think that they really have to sit back. They have to really sit back and think about this and see what they can do to bring in people, that is gonna bring major attention to this league. And if they don't do that, then you know the, the growth process, which will happen, it'll just be so much slower. There's a lot of competition for eyeballs in sports and all the other entertainment that we have in the United States once everything goes back to normal. And eventually it will. So they've got to start doing more to be able to bring more attention
3: to to the, to the league and to the sport. So isn't there there's a bit of a conundrum here and we haven't heard any one club say this, but if they do considering um, the economic uh, impact of COVID on the teams and, you know, the, the figure, the commissioner has given is $1 billion uh, lost in uh, 2020. So if, and now you've got the players that you're, you're desperately trying to get an agreement. I'm sure there's a desperation and an urgency there where you may have to, you know, you're, if you do have to concede some things as owners, now you're going to be putting more money out than you maybe you want to. And now is it is it possible, Roberto, that uh, there won't be the kind of money that you need to spend to get the kind of player you're talking about in the short term at, at the very least? That um, and if the answer is no, and they can go out and 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 get these players, then why are they why are they nickel and diming the current group?
1: So that that's you know. I think what Glenn is saying is, why did New York City offer Messi six hundred million? And that's a great question, Glenn. <laughs> is that what it would have
3: taken? Is that what they had to put out?
2: Well, that, that's what Barcelona allegedly uh, is putting out for him to stay. But then again, they have to overpay now because of all the damage that they've done with him over the past two years. I don't know if that would have been the same amount of money that Manchester City would have had to offer or NYCFC, you know, whatever it is. Um, we're going to see what happens. I mean, it seems to be a ridiculous amount of money that's being offered for him. But uh I don't get it. This is a team that supposedly is bleeding money like crazy. How do they make an offer like that? Is beyond me. And they really lost their way by not selling him to Manchester City last year because they could have gotten something for him. Maybe not what the uh, the clause said, but you negotiate that. And even if you get, I don't know, a hundred million, two hundred million, it's a hundred million or two hundred million more than you have without him.
0: What they don't say is how much money they make out of him. Really?
2: yeah, well, yeah they, they do. But I mean, how much for how much longer?
0: Well,
1: hopefully by the time, guys, that we record the next podcast, we will have a deal in place because we all want MLS to start on April 3rd. Let's go around the room. Roberto, where can people follow you these days? They can follow me in the places that they can always follow me, which is on mm. Twitter, at Rob Abramowitz,
2: and on Facebook, we all, we all at have Roberto memorized. Abramowitz, <laughs> Oficial.
1: He's talking and, to cats uh, right you now. You can
2: look at really nice kitty pictures, on, and great pictures from Mexico as well, as I was there, and now I sit home in quarantine until and- Tuesday, we hope, and we, if I'm negative, I'm free. So, uh, negative again, because I took a COVID test before I left Mexico on uh, Thursday. So, I left Mexico on Friday, took the test on Thursday, and I'm, I'm good. So, let's just hope that that stays that way, and uh, Eddie and I are free on Tuesdays. So, we will see. But then you can follow me on Instagram, and you can see wonderful pictures of Titan and
1: Xena. Oh, sounds great. Uh, John Rojas.
0: Well, let's just say that people can follow me on jrojas875. That is on
1: Twitter. Okay. Glenn Crooks?
3: Yeah, and I, I have no cat pictures to share. I will share some pictures of me shoveling snow um, in the next 24 hours, which I'll be doing right after the uh, end of this recording, so I can go to bed peacefully, knowing that I don't have two feet of snow to shovel when I get up in the morning. Uh, follow uh, me at Crooks. Yeah, Crook. you will. At Glenn Crooks, and... Uh, I'm I'm gonna have a uh, I think a pretty cool uh, interview coming up with uh, Mike Wataya and Paul Kennedy uh, Soccer America. Who anybody who follows the game and as follows the game is, as long as we have here in the state Soccer America is the Bible. They were the first group to come out with you know what was a, a regular um, newspaper about the game domestically and internationally. Anyway, it's the 50th anniversary, so I'm gonna bring Wataya mm-hmm. and Kennedy on to uh, to talk about the you know the history of it all it's uh they do a remarkable job and uh i do want to um provide a platform for them and you know they charge like 299 a month to get their stuff it's ridiculous i don't even know how they survive but i that'll be one of my questions
0: <laughs> yeah. Tom, before 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 we close out tom just to uh, let it clear that the deadline that mls set up to get any kind of agreement with the players association is February, the midnight of February 4th, which is Thursday. So yeah, they it's one week.
2: It wasn't a month.
0: Yeah, it was one week out of the previous deadline that they, you know, said it was set on a stunt. And they move it and now it's supposed to be February fourth, midnight. So what they're saying is if they don't have an agreement at that point, Uh, they already uh, got approval from the owners to declare a lockdown. So from that point on, players wouldn't be allowed to any kind of facility.
1: Well, let's hope
2: it doesn't get to that. It was said on Sharon Stone, not just a stone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am at uh, T. Colker on Twitter. I think on Instagram, but who knows? There's so many things. (laughs) There's too many things. All right. For Glenn, Roberto, and John. I'm Tom. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City.